I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or are cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. Our next guest is a professional boxer representing Saudi Arabia and the Arab world. He's currently training with the legendary Buddy McGirt. I admired his ability to balance his personal life, time with his family, as well as his commitment to training. Boxing is just a vessel, a platform. His legacy will truly come from his time outside the ring. Please enjoy my conversation with Ziad Almayouf, a.k.a. Zizo. Ziad Almayouf. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Zizo? (laughs) Yep. Zizo, Zizo. welcome to the show. Welcome to Chicago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, thank thank you for having me. It's uh, crazy. Maybe two episodes ago, I had uh, two filmmakers from L.A., actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, they hit me up just similar to you, like within a week's notice. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm like, ah, I, I wish I could. I'm just so, but I found, it's funny, right after you're done, I got another person coming. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just that. like, just to make the most <laughs> most of the day. Um, and I am grateful for the amount of content and interviews you have out there. So I have some material to, to work with. And it sounds like you have an incredible journey to share. Yeah. So how has Chicago been? How was your time in Chicago? Chicago has been great. Um, honestly, I'm here phys- visiting two childhood best friends. You know, um, I usually try to get a lot of that done before I go into another camp for another fight mm. or between my camps for other fights where I kind of want to stay connected to the people who really do play a role in me doing what I do and uh, more play, more so play a role in me continuing to do what I do on the hard days. That's, and that's a huge uh, topic on the show is trying to create some type of balance mm-hmm. in your life yeah. because when you're trying to be great at something, you ultimately compromise or sacrifice exactly. other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that being said, you, you've begun your professional journey into boxing. Um, and how, how old are you? 22. 22 yeah you're a baby i'm I'm 33 (laughs) um and many times uh many guests this quote that i'm about to share and i'm sure you've heard it before this man in the arena quote by Mm -hmm. theodore roosevelt you've heard that quote it's never been more literal than now um but uh anytime you're faced with criticism there was one youtube video where people were like his stance is off and yada 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 and i'm sure you hear the negative feedback here and there and if I'll, if I'll reread the quote, it shouldn't take too long, but I'll mm-hmm. reread the quote and um, you can share your thoughts, sh- thoughts on it. So it's by Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, it's, a, it's a very long quote, but this is the part that mm-hmm. resonates with most people. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. Yeah. It's powerful. This one hit. This one really did hit. And you've been asked this question many, many times, um, feeling the weight and the pressure, uh, and you're representing a people yeah. on the other side of the world, and you're, you're trying to do very courageous things on bringing two sides of the world together through this vessel of boxing, mm-hmm. right? So how, does, you know, how, how has that experience been, trying to be a positive light uh, to your people through this vessel? Um, I mean, I approach it, you know, when, when you're the first person to do anything from any place or Mm -hmm. any country, you have to be accepting to that. You'll be the first to make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had to accept that early on. So I get through the mistakes. So the first solution to a problem is to accept that there is a problem and to not even know what the problem is, but to first accept it. Once you accept that there is a problem, then it becomes much easier to know what the problem is. And my problem early on with my mistakes was that I couldn't accept just having mistakes or doing mistakes because I knew that these shoulders carry so much weight Mm. and the lightest of them is mine. You know, believe it or not, Mm. I carry the weight of so many others who have tried who have tried, but mm, I didn't think about it like that. Didn't succeed, yeah. And so many others who are going to try because I'm succeeding, and those who are trying now. So the shoulders are carrying the weight of the past, the present, and the future, mm. but not of mine, of so many others. So you're kind of detached from it in a way, or how does how do you separate? So is it separated? It it is it is not separated okay. because of how much pressure and weight my shoulders carry that's the weight that parachutes me when it's time to fight that's the weight that you know flies me out of the bad days yeah and that's how i look at it so i had to accept that instead of you know regretting the bad days or the failures or the mistakes that i didn't accept doing because i'm doing something so big why am I making mistakes so early on? How am I going to handle the bigger mistakes that are going to come later on? Yeah, it, and that's what's tough is there are a lot of people that preach trying to visualize the end goal. Yeah. Visualize what it feels like, tastes like, smells like to be mm-hmm. on that stage to win. Mm-hmm. But when, I guess it, you can do it through like vicariously through other people who have won, but you are in a way trailblazing a path for the Arab nation. Yeah, right? yeah, and and you know that there is no better thing to do, and uh, you know, just again going back to me accepting that the mistakes is the biggest part of the trailblazing, mm. and I had to accept that. And so many other athletes in the sport of boxing, in my place, their first few fights weren't under as much exposure as my first few fights are. And so that's why now I'm experiencing that now because I'm in my third fight, going into my fourth fight, now more eyes are on the situation. So more people 
are going to talk. Mm. More people are going to criticize. More people are going to look for faults and mistakes. But here's the thing. When you expect something, once it hits you, once it comes into your life, it doesn't shock you. And so you are ready to deal with it because you've expected it. You know, it's like when you expect a guest to come into your house or your workspace, you know how to greet them. Mm -hmm. But if they come unexpectedly, you stress out and you start to worry about if they need something to drink, need something mm -hmm. to eat, or if you even have something to give them to drink or to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with problems and life struggles. When you expect them and you analyze your present situation, you start expecting stuff to happen, mm -hmm. even if it ends up happening or not. And so I knew that the first few fights for any athlete in any sport turning professional, they'll have faults and they'll have mistakes. Okay, okay. And so the only difference between me and the other even great fighters now is that their first 10 to 15 fights maybe weren't under as much exposure or as many yeah. thousands in attendance and million watching, millions yeah. watching around the world, you know? Yeah. So. As you. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Sorry about that. Can I put it on? Do not disturb. So I don't know how that happened. Meant, meant, to, meant to remind you. I forgot. No, I but it's on Do Not Disturb, so I don't know how <laughs> the, the call got through, to be honest. Um, so so that being said, uh, you, you have a good mentality about criticism and, and negative feedback. Um, you're also a very worldly human being. Uh, born in New York, mm -hmm. raised in Egypt, and mm -hmm. then you have also a, a, an Arab background. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then now you're in L.A., mm -hmm. right? And uh, I believe you said, like, if you didn't grow up in Egypt, w would you not be boxing? Because mm. like, you're, you're, you're doing it for something greater than yourself. Yeah, right? well, I, I grew up between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Mm. I'm from Saudi Arabia. Mm. My mom is Egyptian. Mm. And so I spent most of my time with my mom. But I was really between, between both. And, um, yeah, if I wasn't raised in, in the Arab world, it's not that I wouldn't be boxing. I would find it much harder to continue boxing mm. because it's my why, it's my reason. And what was bred into me not having equipment and not having facilities when I was younger and still convincing myself that, you know, I was going to make it internationally in the professional game is what, is making any struggle or any, you know, turbulences I go through today compared to what I had to go through at a much younger age, mm -hmm. nothing. You know, it's like I had to convince myself, even though I didn't even have a boxing ring, I didn't have heavy bags, I didn't have all those stuff that they have in the US or in Europe, all that equipment and all the IQ that the coaches have abroad, we didn't have that in the Arab world then. And so I had to convince myself that I was still going to catch up to the level of those abroad. And I was still going to travel abroad and make it abroad, even though m so many have tried before me. Mm. So I learned something, though, is that what happens is what like the biggest reason that we often stop 
doing something in the middle of doing it after we've started it mm-hmm. and not f- going through to the end is because we base it on the expectations and the timing of others. Mm. Not our expectations and not our timing of doing that. Do you, do you have any level of expectation for yourself? I mean, I have levels of expectations in what I want to achieve, but not when I want but to achieve. But you don't give them. yourself a deadline. Exactly. I don't give myself a deadline because what happens is when you give yourself a deadline to achieve something specific in your work, in your life, in your sport, now you're doing it on your terms. But that's not how it works, you see. When mm-hmm. you start aiming for greatness or aiming for achievement or aiming for a goal, you do it on life's term. You do it yeah. on the goal's term, on the struggle's term, on the turbulence's terms. You don't yeah. do it on your terms because if it was up to you, you'd go and you go achieve it with any, without any problems. There has to be an opportunity. Exactly. But life is going to throw something else mm-hmm. and something very different at you. And so you have to be accepting that you're going to do it on life's terms. And once you start chasing greatness, chasing achievements, if it's small or big, if it's personal or for other people, based on life's terms, you start being more accepting to adapting. Well, you start going with the flow. Exactly. You're not fighting life. Exactly. And that's what you, and that's what accepting to adapting is because what unlocks new levels of abilities is times of stress. Mm. Times of stress, when we are put as humans, when we are put in times of stress and in times of pressure, that's what unlocks new abilities and new capabilities in us. Mm. We just don't see it in the beginning or maybe some of us don't see it at all because we're always thinking short term or even worse sometimes you're thinking into the future Mm. or you're basing your thinking now based on your past but when you stay in the present you start then learning that the times of stress what the emotions that you are going to go through short term is not the same thing that you are going to go through long term you need to be accepting to that you are going to get through times of stress and times of pressure because you are accepting that you are going to unlock new capabilities and levels in you to get through it. Yeah. You know? And and to uh, add to that, we're not apathetic mm-hmm. to life. We're accepting of life and its circumstances, but you're doing everything within your control to exactly. improve exactly. on your own time. Exactly. And it's all about, like you said, everything you can control. Mm -hmm. We have a misconception of what we can control Mm. and what we can't. And like I said, when we first started the podcast, the first solution to a problem is accepting that there is a problem, you know? So first you have to accept that some stuff you can't control. And then once you accept that, you are going to easily identify and smoothly identify what you can't control. Mm. So I can control how I react to something when it happens to me but I can't control how it happens to me or when it happens to me. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what we wish to happen isn't what is written to happen. Yeah. And our job is to adapt to what is written to happen. And then if you adapt correctly, that becomes what you want to happen in the long term. Mm -hmm. And so patience is where it really hits because with patience, nothing ever happens to you. It all happens for you. You just have to be patient enough to let that work out and open up. Be patient enough to see that, you know. Be patient enough to lose people, lose a job, lose 
losing life because with patience, you're actually gaining someone at the end of it, gaining something at the end of it, gaining a job, gaining gaining experiences, all of that. So patience and acceptance is a key. Have you ever uh, been presented with an opportunity and not been ready for it? Oh, man. Um, I mean, in the present moment, you always think that you are ready for it. Mm. I've been presented with opportunities where my pen is on the paper and it's about to touch the paper and someone has taken the paper away. (laughs) You know, that's when you're like, you're about to sign one of the biggest contracts or what you then think is the biggest contract of your life. Sure. The biggest, uh, the largest amount of money you could ever make. And it's like fishing, you know, you have the fish and you're reeling it in and it's coming and then it, it, you know, swims away at the end. It manages to get let off the hook and that's what happens. In life, sometimes your pen is almost going to be on that paper and maybe someone else is going to come and take that paper from you or maybe that pen is just not going to have any ink, you know? So I like that analogy. Yeah, so it's like you're going to try signing. There is no ink and that's Mm. when you're going to be like, but I feel like I was so ready. Why is this not happening to me now? Mm. And why is, why is this not working for me now? You have to trust the timing. And the only way to learn to trust the timing is to let time do its thing. <laughs> you know, p- people are trying to rush time. Again, on yeah. our terms. It's not on our terms. <laughs> we were put on Earth with Earth's time, Earth's ca- count yeah, of days yeah. in a year, in a week, in a month. We can't change that. <laughs> So let time do its thing, and you have to trust the timing. You I, know? <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure you, you've built this mentality prior to boxing, but I, I know I heard that your coach, uh, Buddy McGirt, says like trust the process as well. Yeah. And a lot of people say that, but mm-hmm. maybe don't fully understand mm-hmm. what that the process is not just within your control. It's like life, yeah. and the opportunities, and yeah. everything around that. Yeah, definitely because um, when you trust the process you learn to accept that you don't have to be 100% ready for something before you choose to do it. That too. And that stops us from doing so much. That stops us from even achieving so much after we choose to do something. Attempting to go for something. Exactly. You you are uh, your worst critic, right? Mm -hmm. You are your own worst Mm -hmm. critic. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, This was talked about on the last episode. It's like perfectionism is the enemy of good enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. oftentimes you are good enough, but you're not what in your own head what perf- perfect is perfect is. Right? Yeah. So Yeah. And and that's the thing. You you are never and I'm telling you, you are never going to feel one hundred percent ready mm. to do something before you do it. And if you feel one hundred percent ready to do something before you do it, it's not big enough. Oh. It's not great enough, you know. So this is this is That's what definitely you need going to know. On the Instagram clip. Oh my god! <laughs> so and I'm talking little stuff and even bigger stuff. If it's a breakup, if it's a friendship, yeah. if it's an internship, now if it's a, a fight, a football game, whatever you do in life, do not wait to take the chance once you're 100 percent ready, because it's supposed to be 50, 60 percent. The other 40 is going to happen after you take the chance, Mm. after you attempt. Mm. And then you'll see if that 40% is is going to come or it's not going to come. And that's something you can't control. You have to be accepting to adapting. 
That's I and I I hundred percent resonate with that. And in our EMT class, we kind of say something a little opposite of that. Um, so, in regards to training as a healthcare provider, as a physician, a nurse, uh, a paramedic, or an EMT, we say you rarely rise to the occasion, and more so you fall to your level of training. Mm-hmm. And so, in a very stressful situation, you maybe maybe it's different for boxing, but like, or maybe for it's different for other things. But you rarely in that small window, because you typically get what we call what you call tunnel vision, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you rarely step up to fill the void and more often fall to how hard you've been training, how mm-hmm. well you've been mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate at all? That or? resonates okay, exactly. Okay, that resonates as well. resonates okay. exactly because okay. what happens is um, you have to train the mind as you train the body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So physically, I've been in this sport for now 11, 12 years. Mm. I've been fighting and training for so long. But mentally, how long have I been fighting and training? Mm. You know, I've only started training my brain and my mentality maybe four years ago. Mm. So we have a saying in boxing that in times of stress and in times of pressure, you are going to fall back on your habits. Yeah. On your habits, especially your older habits, you know, the ones that you've been doing. Observe your actions. Exactly. For a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And... There's the thing when people try to, you know, um, change their habits Mm. and they find themselves that in times of stress, they still go to their habits. They end up beating themselves up. Why are you beating yourself up when you accidentally could fall back into your old habits in times of stress when you've been doing your old habits for so many years? You have to give the same amount of time you've been doing your old habits the same amount of time give it to your new habits or the same amount of you know importance and dedication to your new habits so then in times of stress your new habits are going to take on yeah. your old habits it's so subconscious you know? exactly exactly so show, show yourself some grace yeah, yeah so when we train for um a new kind of defense or mm. a new a new punch or a new tactic to face someone sometimes if if your opponent puts you in amount of stress or pressure if I've learned a new defense just a year ago, mm. maybe in times of stress and pressure, I'm going to go back to my sure, old sure. defense because this is deep down, even if I don't know it, but deep down, this is what my body trusts. This is what my brain trusts. So yeah, you don't really, you can't rise to the occasion if you weren't trained mm. to rise to that level of occasion. Yeah, and, and those are two separate quotes, like mm-hmm. kind of two separate mm-hmm. uh, vessels. But yeah. uh, so... That being said, like what uh, what have you learned through coach or through because you have a, a mental performance coach yeah, as well yeah. um, to build new habits? Um, well, other than trusting the process, mm. I mean, one of the biggest things I learned is to not judge my future based on my present, and okay. that's yeah. what I find myself doing, especially when I first start camp for a fight and you know, it's okay to sometimes question and sometimes be under stress or pressure. I don't want people to think that because my mentality is so well-trained or Mm -hmm. because I know what to do, it means I don't still do something wrong. I still make the mistakes. I still do everything sometimes wrong, but I'm accepting that in times of stress, 
I might do something wrong mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But what am I going to do after that's going to get me on the right track? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would call my mental performance coach at the beginning of camp and I'd tell him, you know, I don't have my speed. I don't have my power. I don't have my defense because I've just started camp. I've just started like doing those matches and training that you don't do out of camp. So I'm like, how am I supposed to you know, beat the top level guys when I can't beat the guys that are in camp, the guys that are supposed to get me ready for these guys. Mm. He's like, first of all, that isn't a question to be asking yourself now. That's a question to be asking yourself the night before the fight. After the work is all done, after the 10 weeks of camp is all done, and these guys that you are getting ready with are done doing your job, uh, doing their job, and you're done doing yours. Mm. So ask yourself that same question in 10 weeks. I love that. And he said that. I love that. And that's so true. Why am I judging my, the result of my performance or even my performance based on the preparation of the result or the performance? Yeah. So don't judge the result based on you know, the mistakes and the failures you are going to make in the preparation. But judge the result once the time of the result is going to come because after yeah. all the preparation... You're going to be ready. So with having great people around you, uh, it just emphasizes how important it is to have important or wonderful and great people mm-hmm. around you, especially mm-hmm. when's the last time you saw your family? Because you don't, you don't have your family here, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have my family here. Well, luckily, we just had Ramadan, yeah. you know, oh. the month where Muslims fast. And uh, that, I, I, I don't do camp or we don't fight during that month. Okay. So I was just with family, but that's the the month in the year where I see them. Okay. So other than that, I'm in camp training for a fight or I'm fighting. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, but you've called your training team your yeah, family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. So you have to find family in your team. You have to find family in your circle. And the way to find family in your circle is to find trust in mm. your circle, Right. But you can't expect to find trust in your circle without, you know, you yourself making a mistake sometimes or someone in your circle making a mistake. Being vulnerable. Exactly, exactly. But expect that. Expect that. Expect a human to be a human. Expect a friend to be a friend and expect your circle. You know, you need to really analyze everyone and you need to see how their personality is and start expecting some stuff from them. So rather than avoiding people or pushing people away, how about you start adapting to people and start adapting to their personalities as they are going to eventually adapt to yours. Mm. So if I'm friends with someone who, for example, I know talks too much, you know, or, or likes to, you know, talk a lot of tea, likes to gossip. Sure. If one day that person, and, he, and they're, in, they're in my circle, if one, one day that person talks about me to someone else, I expect that. So I'm supposed to fault them for something I know they would have eventually done or they might do. If I know they might do it, I think it's up to me to adapt to the level or how much of myself I'm going to give them. Mm. So always know how much of yourself to give to people. Someone that you know and trust so well and they would never talk about you. Give them, give them more. Someone who you that's, know yeah. 
talks that, maybe give them less adapt adapt that's, that's such a great example of uh jacko willing's like extreme ownership mm-hmm. it's just like you are taking accountability for yourself exactly 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 and uh, when you take accountabilities for yourself you end up in life not holding grudges at all you don't you never hold grudges because you just live and learn literally you like i'm not just saying it you are accepting more to i'm living and learning because now you're focused on you mm. and how every single time you make you make a mistake you grow mm. not every single time someone else makes a mistake someone mm. when someone else makes a mistake you don't grow but if someone else makes a mistake and i'm like i made a mistake in doing a b and c that led him to that then i grow so i've unlocked a new level of capability i've unlocked a new ability in times of stress if someone is talking behind my back i'm stressed in the beginning just in the beginning yeah. you feel like it's out of your control exactly you feel like you're so stressed but then you find a way to calm yourself down maybe something you've never done before you've unlocked something new in your life there you go and now when you go through that same storm that you've went through before mm-hmm. you don't come out the same way you went in right mm-hmm. so when you walk through that same storm one day again don't expect yourself to go through the same problems you did the first time it's like the first time you get fired from work it's it's a lot worse than the second time you could get fired from work sure because more than knowing wh- how to find work after you know yourself you know what's going to happen to you you know the emotions that are going to rush in once you are dealt with a specific failure mm. so when you go through that same failure or same mistake again you already expect and know the emotions you are going to go through and better so you know how to deal with yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but just be patient sometimes we're st- we're stressed before it even happens yeah we're worried before it even happens yeah but that just means you've lost you know you've lost count of the present moment You've lost yeah. attachment I mean, to the present. Comes moment. down to gratitude for what you have at the moment. Exactly. Um, I I think we can't go the whole episode without talking about some type of boxing. <laughs> so if we were to rewind the clock, uh, and what I found funny was your dad initially put you up for tennis lessons, yeah. right? And yeah. and uh, you were initially in tennis, and your mom was the one that that got you into boxing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom. My mom got me into boxing behind my dad's back. <laughs> yeah, for a whole year. So so, and to add to that. They lived separately. No, uh, well, my dad, my dad was between Saudi and Egypt, you know, back oh, and forth for, always, for work. Yeah, for work. For what, work. what does he do if you're willing to share? Uh, he's just a businessman. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He he he's an investor. He invests. In and how often would you see him then? When I was younger, not too often, because right now he's retired. Because you're so you're you're, what my first impression is you're a great gentleman. Mm-hmm. Where would you attribute that to? Because sometimes, especially in Chicago, not having a male figure leads yeah. to some issues. So, so here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I wouldn't say I didn't have a male figure, but what my dad not being there often gave me is being a gentleman. Because then my dad became a superhero. Hmm. Because superheroes are only there when you need them. They're not there all the time. Okay. They're there at the right moment, at the right time. Okay. And sometimes they need to be there, but they let you figure it out because they want you to become that same superhero. Okay. 
And so take this, for example, if you were to see Spider-Man every single day, he's your neighbor, every single day you see Spider-Man, does he become Spider-Man or does he become your neighbor? Mm. You know, he becomes your neighbor because mm. you start seeing him every day. Hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> but if he starts appearing in times where you need him, where you want him to be there, like, for example, when I call my dad, I was so used to not being able to call my dad all the time because he's gone for work. But when I'm going through a problem, I call my dad. Mm. He starts becoming my superhero. And so that's what built me into that today. Mm. And that's why I give a lot of credit to my dad. Mm. Because what I'm saying right now in all the podcasts is just messages that he's given me when I was younger that I'm relaying yeah. to people today, you know? And so that's what has built that also kind of um, independence. Yeah. I had to, like, like again, touching back on, because this is something new to me, touching back on the criticism. You know, I'm facing and I'm going to face some people who are going to come out to criticize, to talk about this, the way I fight, the style I fight. And that happened after my third fight. Now, let me tell you this, and this is for everyone mm. to hear, you know, and to take from. The performance that they are talking about of my third fight being maybe my worst or bad is a performance I think was my best. <laughs> it's a performance, actually not I think, they might think. It's okay. on them to think and guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a performance I know was my best. Interesting. You know? Wow. We had a game plan. I followed the game plan exactly. We had learned the new defense. I did that new defense exactly. We studied my opponent. And we followed it from minute one until the last second of the fight, that exact same That's discipline amazing. in the plan. And so for me, when people came out and they started speaking about, you know, he has nothing, no talent, no this, it wasn't my time to showcase my talent and my power and my speed. This isn't the way to beat that kind of challenge. Sometimes when you are faced with a challenge, it doesn't need all your abilities to beat it, to surpass it. Sometimes it just needs discipline. And discipline not even in, in here, mm -hmm. but discipline in here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How long are you going to stay disciplined for? And that's why my last fight was my best performance for me. Mm. Because even though in my second fight I got knocked down, I got back up, I beat him after getting back up, nobody does that in a four-round fight. Yeah, None of that. Nothing I didn't expect myself to do. But the third fight, I was so disciplined and so calm. This is new to me. Usually I'm in the first round of a fight. I'm so reckless and I'm so excited. Mm. But we follow the specific game plan. And so you have to accept something that regardless of what you do or how well you do something, people are going to come out and talk. Yeah. People are going to come out and say something and they're going to talk about it. But they don't have the same knowledge that you do. They don't have the same internal knowledge and internal thoughts yeah, and that you do and yeah. that you have. Especially when you're doing something that no one has ever seen before, you have to expect that people are going to talk. Mm -hmm. You have to expect that people are always going to have something to say. But again, don't base your achievements and your goals based on their expectations or their timing. Base it on yours. Because me and you could be doing the same job, but... Unless we are the same person, we are not really doing the same job. 
Mm. You know, yeah. we could both be EMT trainers, mm-hmm. but we don't go the, through the same thing mentally. Mm-mm. We don't go through the same thing physically. So yeah, we are doing the same job. So if you get promoted before me ever, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to get promoted. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you become a partner in a law firm and we started together and I'm still at the bottom working my way up, that doesn't mean I'm not going to become a partner. You're on your own path. Exactly. You're on your own timing. But you're on your own timing because that's life's term. Mm-hmm. It's not your term. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be world champion tomorrow if it were up to me. Mm. Then I can retire and be happy, <laughs> you know. But this is not how it works. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying so much. I'm doing so much right now. And, you know, I, I, like to, I, always, I always like to, you know, say it's not me, it's God. You know, I just show up. But it's that weight that I'm carrying that makes me accepting to the criticism and all that. I accept you're going to do that. I expect you to do that. And when I expect something, it doesn't really bother me when it comes. Yeah. Speaking of doing too much, uh, are you still in school? I know yeah. you're studying psychology. Yeah, psychology. Similar to our, our quarterback uh, in the Chicago Bears just oh, graduated yeah. from Ohio State. So <laughs> yeah. it's just wild. Yeah, how, yeah, how many yeah. more? How much more do you have? I have three semesters left. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm supposed to, if I was on time, I'd graduate this year. But, okay. But, um, you know, again... So it, what in your when you're not in camp you're kind of focused on that or no how does that when work? I'm in camp you're still when I, yeah but I do part time okay sometimes if the camp is very tough then I don't do it that semester mm. you know but, I just and have you, to you know your schedule ahead of time yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I know I know my schedule ahead of now I do <laughs> you know now I do because before I wasn't signed mm. I wasn't a signed athlete then so I had to you know just be ready all the time yeah and yeah. be ready for stuff to fall through at any time like i said you know mm. the pen is almost on the paper <laughs> the pen isn't really working you know Let's, and i, I want to get i want i do want to get there just kind of staying ready mm. uh but uh what was it like uh after your mom got you into boxing and training and like what about boxing like appealed to you can, yeah. can you speak on that well um i'll just say that what about boxing that appealed to me was how much people were doing despite how little they were given to do it, Mm, you know? And uh, that's what has kept me in the sport until today. And that's what's making me take on so many struggles and get through them today. Because I was given so, so little compared to your average boxer today in Europe or in America. In the Arab world, I was given little to nothing Mm -hmm. to actually make it, you know? So I was just given a will. <laughs> I was given mm-hmm. a mentality. Mm-hmm. I was given, you know, just that that no excuse mentality. Well, but what what feelings did you get through boxing? Because what I'm gathering is, and I, I just don't know too many fighters. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends is a fighter, mm-hmm. but like, you seem such a peace, like a peaceful human being. It's just like, what about fighting attracts you? You know. <laughs> you know, um, I love how. And I, I really want to touch on that, you know, because this is this is the first year where I've really started to feel that that Zen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the beautiful thing about boxing is everything that you go through in boxing, you can relate it to life. And so it makes everything that you could go through in life relatable to boxing. So I'm a person that gets punched in the face, but I'm not allowed to get angry. Because if I get angry and I lose my head, I lose the fight. 
I can't follow my game plan. I can't stay disciplined from the beginning of the fight to the end. So if you are a individual that takes a punch from someone else, but you're not allowed to get angry at them, what do you think is going to anger me then? If you say something to me that's going to upset me, that, that can't anger me. I get punched in the face by people and I can't get angry. So your words are not going to anger me. Uh, a breakup, that can't anger me, you know. It might upset me, can't anger me, you know. It's okay to be upset, it's okay to worry, it's okay to have doubt. But two things that make you, you know, very, that make it very hard to deal with these emotions is fear and anger. Mm. Fear mm -hmm. makes you not be able to deal with worry or upset or doubt or being upset or having doubts. And anger makes you not able to control being yeah. upset, being worried or having doubts. So everything I went through in boxing, when I first started fighting, my first few fights, my first handful of fights, I lost all of them. Mm. I lost all the fights, <laughs> you know, in, in my amateur career back where I was, I lost my first handful of fights and I still kept coming back. I kept coming back and I still had that faith of when and everything is going to be okay. Did you, is it because like you saw improvement every time that you kept coming back or like what kept you coming back? It's because I know that, you know, um, I was on a, on a, on a different timing. I was on a different road. I was walking a different road where if I lose a fight, even though I feel like I'm, I'm getting better and better, losing and winning is not something I can control. Because what I can control is how much I give, how much I try in that fight and how much of my improvements I'm using. Mm -hmm. You know, and m many people might disagree, but this is what's working for me. This is what's worked for me, mm -hmm. you know, because we're sitting here today or I'm about to fight now here today internationally. So it's what's worked for me. Maybe not necessarily what's going to work for someone else, but definitely what will work for everyone is being addicted to an improvement and not being addicted to the result. Once you're addicted to the improvements, you start being addicted to discipline because you realize discipline is what brings the improvements. Mm -hmm. And once you start being addicted to improvement and discipline, you don't even have to think about the result because it'll, it'll be there. The results are going to come. And that's exactly what happens, you know. So yeah. I just was so interested in boxing in the beginning because I had to look into it and, you know, who are the champions of Saudi Arabia? Nobody. Mm. Who fought from Saudi Arabia? Nobody. Who has turned professionally and professional internationally from the Arab world? Yeah. Nobody. Was there boxing for Olympics represent, represented by the Arabs? Well, for, for, for Saudi Arabia, for Saudi Arabia yeah. there, was no, there was no Olympic boxer. But that, you see, oh. even Olympics is an amateur sport oh, in boxing. Okay. Professional is different. Ooh. Once you turn pro in boxing, you're banned from going oh, to the I Olympics. Didn't know that. Oh yeah, because amateur boxing and professional boxing, for everyone that doesn't know, it's like ping pong and tennis. Similar game, one is faster, one is shorter, the other one is longer, bigger rackets, you know, hurts more. So, you know, all that. <laughs> So, so what, it's shorter in the Olympics? Yeah, so amateur boxing is three rounds, three minutes, and you really fight to gather points because you don't have that much time. Yeah. Turn pro now, the gloves get smaller, the padding gets less, 
the rounds get so much longer and you fight to hurt. Mm. You fight to knock win, mm. knock out, mm. hurt, you know, and you fight with more of this because you need more tactics and discipline for 10, 12 rounds yeah. than you do for three quick rounds. So it's it's a different game. Both of them are hard in their own aspects, but, you know, it is known that once you turn pro, you can't go back to the amateurs because you've... You've just went another level. You know what yeah. I mean? So it'd almost be like cheating. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's why when you go back, like you just get banned from that's, winning a world title. Why can't they just make like another years. division? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it's like it's stuff like that. So I just kept I was addicted to I wanna be the one to write that history. Yeah. I wanna be the one to do that. Okay. I, why you know, not even why can't I never asked myself that question. It's so weird. And this is the first time I say it out loud because I don't want people to mistake it for arrogance, but now it's gone. Mm. But, you know, strangely so, I never asked myself that question of why can't I be the one to do that? I just always asked myself, you know, when am I going to do that? You know, when am I going to be the one to do that? I, wa I am going to be the person who is going to do that. It's just a matter of when. Mm. that's what I always ask myself. And it's it's strange to think about it now because this is the first time I actually really think about it. But yeah, I can't remember a time where I asked myself, will I be the one to do it? Just when? Just when. So what were the actual training circumstances in, uh, was this mostly in Egypt or Saudi Arabia? Uh, mostly in Egypt. Egypt, right? Because yeah. you didn't have a ring. Yeah, didn't have a boxing ring. Not and in Saudi Arabia, fought, I didn't right? have a boxing ring either. Okay, so what were those circumstances like? So I trained for 10 years okay. between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And then um, for the first six years, seven years, I didn't have a boxing ring. Okay. And um, it's, uh, the way it works in the Arab world is we don't have individual gyms for each sport. Yeah, it's a big box gym. We like have, multiple sports, Yeah, we right? have like, like a big, complex. Yeah, exactly. Like Think of it like a big sports complex yeah. or a sports center that has all the sports playing there. And... Um, in the Arab world, we usually focus on, uh, you know, one sport, and that's uh, football, soccer, mm. you know, because it's what has brought so much success historically. Okay. So it's what we trust the most. So uh, this is where all the funds go and stuff. Now, because no one has ever made it to boxing, you always get the one-offs that make it in tennis, make it in squash, we're very good at squash, mm. uh, that make it in ping pong, you know, Olympics or medals. So you have some funding for these sports, but because we had no one in boxing professionally, especially, there was no funding. You know, there was no importance given. Mm. So we had to beg for a boxing ring for so many years. We used to, when we used to have the matches in training, mm -hmm. we used to line up everyone in training to make a square. And <laughs> kind of like a street fight. Yeah, <laughs> two people would get in the middle, you know. And when it's time for training, because we didn't have bags, the coach would just stand with his mitts. Everyone is lining up waiting for their turn. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, my coach used to start his day at 2 p.m. and end his day at 7. And people used to come for one hour, have their rounds on their mitts and leave. Now, because I wanted so much more, I used to come at 2 and leave at 7. And the days I had school, I used to come at 3.30 and leave at 7. Mm. So every time someone came... I would just do so much more. Yeah. I'd always have so much rounds. Right, last yeah. Leave, yeah. When we got a boxing ring, um, because of how much we used it, 
and we didn't, you know, like we just trained on it way too much because we finally have a boxing ring. Started tearing and wearing, oh. and so the the you know like the foam and all that started tearing. The fabric started tearing up, and uh, we didn't have a roof. It's an outdoor, you oh. know. It was just put somewhere, <laughs> you know, and it was outdoor. <laughs> so when it would rain, oh. when it would be freezing cold, all that stuff, we're there training and working regardless. And so um, when the floors start tearing up, what happened is we went to the weightlifting gym after it closed up. And uh, we went in, we opened the door and we started, you know, the, the floors and that are made yeah. that are the not rubber, even the, the, rubber, yeah, the yeah. big rubber. So the weights ones. don't hurt the floor. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We took those. <laughs> wow. We, we stole those from the weightlifting gym. And because they were so heavy, we couldn't take too many of them. So we took like four or six, but they don't fit the whole it's ring. Like the pre-workout to the workout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if the <laughs> ring, you know, is is a big square, we we had those mats wow. laid out in different places, and so we had to just do with whatever was given to us. And that's exactly what I have to do today. I have to do with whatever is given to me. Yeah. And there are no excuses in it because anything that I'm given today, that I might think is not enough or is not you know, satisfying enough is better than what I was given in the beginning of this road. Anything I'm given today. Sometimes I sit back and I say, at least I have a bag to hit and at least I have a ring to train on. That is all I need, you know? You know, actually, all I need is my coach to be there with his mitts mm -hmm. or even without his mitts, <laughs> you know, because this is what I had growing up in the sport. So today, if I'm given nothing, that's okay. Because yeah. I, w I did have to make it, you know, I didn't really make it yet. I mean, make it abroad with nothing. Before you came uh, to L.A., did you have a string of amateur fights or any pro fights? Uh, no, no? I, I, I turned pro once I, you know, moved to the U.S. Ah. I had amateur fights back home. But um, it, when, when I moved to the U.S., because of how different the level was, because of how different the IQ was, it was like I started completely over. Sure, it didn't, sure, it, sure. None of my wins back home meant anything. The only thing that meant a lot back home was how I was trained mentally and my fundamentals. Yeah. You know, I was trained very well. I had a coach that really focused on the fundamentals. Your feet don't cross when you're moving, your hands stay up. Uh, head movement, all that. So my fundamentals were good. I took that with me abroad. But we don't have a high level of IQ in the sport because we are not exposed to the sport. We don't even have boxing on TV. Yeah, you, you know that. Have to yeah, stream it. Yeah, we ha you have to illegally stream it. You know, <laughs> and um, we don't have it on TV because of first of all the time difference. When you'd have fights here mm, at uh, 10 p.m. Yeah, 11 p.m., that's 4 a.m. and 3 a.m. back home. Wow. So you really already have to be a diehard boxing fan to know to get up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. and illegally stream your fight. But no one will ever be, you know, switching the channels on TV and accidentally fall in love with the sport because boxing is on TV. We didn't have that. And so, you know, this is why I just think this is, there's maybe a higher power to the career I'm on now. Something is happening. All of this is happening for and a you're reason. you're just a vessel for yeah, it to exactly. flow through. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, if I want, my biggest goal, you know, is to just change the perceptions and the conceptions that people have on the Arab world or the Arab people 
and the people of Saudi Arabia especially, you know, and uh, represent my country, my family in the best way possible, but more importantly, really change the perceptions of people because we fear what we don't understand. Oh, yeah. And that's okay, you know. So I understand that many people haven't dealt with, you know, uh, Arabs or they haven't went to a lot of Arab countries, mm -hmm. but they hear a lot about them and maybe not all of it is all good and not all of it's all bad, but most of it is negative because maybe not not enough people have went. So now you have that Arab athlete that could break that international language barrier and that could, you know, speak and show that we smile just like everyone else. We talk like everyone else and we can fight like everyone else. So then I want to be that, you know, vessel in the middle between the two worlds that brings comfort. It's like when people feel like they don't understand the Arab world, they remember Zizo. Oh, but we do know and look up to a figure and what he's doing. And that's, that, that's what I want to do. You know, that's why to me, boxing is just, you know, my way to the people. And what I achieve in boxing will determine how many more people I could get to. And that's why I'm so addicted to achieving, achieving in boxing because I want to get to more and more and more people. And I want to have something no one can ever take away from me. You know, being in the history books, being in the history books to be the first world champion for Saudi Arabia and the Arab world, the first undisputed world champion for Saudi Arabia and the Arab world, do it in different weight classes. But you know how many people I'm going to reach if I do all that? When I say anything, you know how many people are going to listen? Mm. And I could bring so much comfort and peace and unity between two different sides of the world. That's what I want to do. It's kind of like Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, that's just, that's what's so exciting, yeah, that is exciting. about it. And if it means that I, I lose a little bit of myself and I sacrifice yeah. a little bit of myself to get that done, I'm accepting to do that. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give myself and my... But it seems like you do take care of yourself enough, or first yeah. of all, you know? Yeah, you know, um, just the more I know myself, the more I understand how to take care of myself. And again, just never basing anything based on the expectations or the timing of others. For example, some people in their first year of turning pro they usually fight maybe six to seven times a year. Mm. I understand that I know myself and I know what I go through mentally when I prepare for a fight because of the pressure that's on me. I know how dark sometimes it could get. So I know how, how much I'm able to handle. And I just base it on the present moment. Maybe in the present moment, I'm able to handle five fights a year. Mm. Maybe one fight was mentally a lot more bearing than the other. So this year I'm, I'm going to be able to handle just a fourth fight. Mm. And I only judge that based on after the fight is done or after the camp is done. Yeah. So um, if someone ever tells me that you will achieve everything you want to achieve in boxing, but you will have to sacrifice being there for your parents, I will say thank you, boxing goodbye mm. to boxing, mm -hmm. you know, because I have morals and I have values that I was brought up with and you know, I really live for my parents. 
So, so the one month a year is enough for you? Yeah, because, you know, it's not enough for me. Yeah. Of course it's not, you know, but um, that month is, is, Ramadan is really known for family. And, uh, and you're really spending deep yeah, quality all time. all the time, all the time, all the time. Because, you know, you're fasting together, you break your fast together, and it's a month for religion as well. And what I'm asked of religiously is to be there for my parents. And this is the month where I could be there the most, mm. you know, because training isn't as much and I'm not fighting there. So I'm doing, I, I, I understand that I'm sacrificing time with my parents, but sacrificing time is one thing and sacrificing being there is another. If I'm in the middle of my fight camp, training for the biggest fight of my life, and something happened where my parents need me, where my family needs me, I'm leaving. Mm. And I've done that before. Mm -hmm. One time, you know, um, I've never really spoken about this before, but I was about to sign a management contract. Mm. And I was about to have a meeting to sign one. And that meeting was supposed to be, for example, tomorrow. And my cousin calls me and uh, she says, my grandfather has COVID. And that was in Egypt. And I booked my flight right there and then. Oh, I didn't even tell the people I wasn't going to make it to the meeting because I, nothing was going on in my head than to go back because I knew the medical situation in Egypt. I knew the hospitals are filled up and he's going to be treated at home. And both my grandfather and my grandmother had it. So the girls in the family were naturally helping my grandmother because of the needs she'd need. And then the guys were helping the grandfather. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that needs to go back and help my grandfather. Yeah. So go back, you know, miss my meeting, miss what I thought was the biggest contract of my life, yeah. miss what I thought was the biggest money I was ever going to get in my life. Mm. But... God or the universe or the world, whatever you believe in, we get rewarded for how we show up in tough times. I mean, that, of course, but we get rewarded for how we deal with ourselves when times get tough and not when times are going well. Yeah. You know, we get rewarded later for how we manage when times are very tough, not when times are going good. When times are going good, you're going to be happy and, and doing everything you're supposed to do anyways because you're happy, everything is going well. But when times get very tough, are you going to keep doing and working as hard as you need to be to get that reward later on? Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. very easy to, you know, just, be satisfied when times are going well but when you find the light in the darkness that's when you get rewarded with more light la later on mm. so i had to go back i had to you know go around move around and look for oxygen tanks beg hospitals wow. for oxygen tanks we need we had to and you know they and this is all while trying to protect yourself too, yeah right? yeah yeah you know I, honestly at that at that time i didn't care <laughs> I didn't care about myself, you know, at all, at all. My grandfather used to cough and I'd have the tissue and, and I'm like, sure. every, the, I didn't care at that point. I know I'm young. If I get it, I get it, you know. But my grandfather, on the other hand, I had to do everything and it was me and my cousins and my uncle. And they always kept the oxygen tanks 
in the basements of the hospitals and they were so heavy mm. and we used to go down there and get the oxygen tanks go up all the stairs again and we'd go from one side of the country to the other side looking for oxygen tanks and all of that stuff and uh my grandmother made it through but my grandfather passed away oh. but just the fact that i was there i was there for him you know up until the end you know he he passed away from what comes to you after covid not the covid itself and you know just the thought of me being there you did the everything of, you could yeah yeah thought, no regrets exactly no regrets no regrets if i had stayed for a contract or some oh money i would imagine that imagine You'd that you'd be questioning the rest yeah. of your boxing career yeah yeah so i th there is no comparison for me because i know the way i believe in it and i know god will reward me for giving time to my parents giving time for my family if that means taking one less fight a year taking two less fights a year come on like i could fight four times a year five times a year and give the rest of the year for my family what like two fights the the two more fights i'm gonna get rewarded with later on so i find that balance and if that balance is making me go at a slower rate now in achieving something that's okay that's my timing based on my expectations for myself but what's what's the average rage or age that people kind of leave boxing in the sense of like you know fighting in their early 30s okay in their early 30s got plenty of time <laughs> yeah exactly you got plenty of time and uh you know it's uh it's very exciting i'm honestly very excited for it all i'm excited for the the lows more than i am even for the highs wow because the lows are gonna unlock new capabilities in me unlock and uh, a new mindset in me where i could come and talk about it even more and more yeah and so don't fear the times of stress when they first come it's okay to to fear it in the beginning because that's what stress is it's okay to be afraid in the beginning to worry to have doubts in the beginning but then don't let the size of the occasion or the size of the struggle disregard the small stuff you picked to get through it Mm. sometimes take a moment stop and zoom out and just appreciate the new capabilities and abilities that you've unlocked in yourself to achieve that and so that that's that's just what i'm really looking forward to i'm looking forward to the people who are gonna meet who i'm gonna meet that are gonna go because these are the ones that you learn most from mm. i'm looking forward to all the, all the stuff that brings that learning isn't the the highs it's the loads you know mm. it's the it's the what you think is damage isn't really damage mm. it's a fixing you know mm. it puts you in the right direction so every single thing that you think was damaging in your life when you look back how about you look at yourself today and stop looking back and assess yourself today be like wait but because of what i think was damage i now know how to do that thing better for mm -hmm. example you you meet people and you trust people with so much you sometimes trust them with your heart you sometimes trust them with a secret and they break that trust they break you or they break your heart you know you think you might think that's damage and you might think that's damage for the longest time until you start accepting that you have to be patient and then when you are patient 
something is going to happen. Someone exactly like that person is going to come back into your life and you're going to be like, mm, I've seen that before. I know what that could do. Mm. I know how to do it now. I'm not telling you to avoid it. I'm telling you to know how much of yourself now to give to those type of people. Mm -hmm. The people who you've seen exactly like them that ended up breaking your heart, breaking your secret, breaking mm -hmm. your trust, just know how much of yourself to give to them. Don't avoid them because then they win. If you avoid them, if you push them away, they win. The person who did that to you, he or she wins. But if you know now yourself, And if you know how to deal with that specific situation, how much of yourself to give to the world, to these people, you win. Mm. Because you've learned. Yeah. You've now fixated in, in, you know, in something new in your life. So damage is all perspective. Mm -hmm. What you do with the damage is all based on perspective. Take it with a perspective of now I know what to do in my life. Now I know what to do. And that's why... As you go, like as you grow up, as you go through more experiences, the more you'll never feel 100% ready to do anything. Every single time you're gonna feel like you're 100% ready for a phase in your life, you're gonna go through another phase in your life. Yeah. Gonna go through another year, grow up in your life. More courage, yeah. A new phase means new leaps of faith, new risks of not feeling 100% to do them. Mm -hmm. But feeling more confident to do them regardless of not feeling 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the difference between courage and cowardice. Exactly, right? yeah. Exactly. To to go back to family, um, I don't have too many Arab friends, and uh, but uh, I'm curious, what what is the dynamic? Like, how do um, the people, like, on, you know, like, typically show love? Or, like, what's their love language? Is it you know, words of affirmation, physical touch. Because I, I didn't grow up with mm -hmm. I love you or mm -hmm. hugs. Mm -hmm. And it was only because of this Western culture and having friends in the Western culture yeah. that, that brought me onto that. In the Arab world, it's more of unity. Okay. It's uh, gatherings. Okay. It's, uh, you know, when, when it's time for dinner, it's all at the grandmother's house, oh. the grandfather's house. Everyone has to be there, the uncle, the aunt, you know. And you're going to find um, this is very, very... Uh, familiar in the Arab world is very common where uh, the whole family lives in the same building. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so if there's a building of, you know, seven, eight floors, it's just a building for the whole family. Everyone has their floor, everyone has their apartment and when it's time to eat, we all go to the grandmother. That's so cool. Yeah, so it's all, um, love language is really in the unity and in the gatherings and that's why I always said so like... So how do you go so long without exactly, that? That's ex so tough. Exactly. That, that's the compromise, exactly. right? Exactly, that's the compromise. Oh, that's the, that's the compromise. Yeah. That, uh, people might think, you know, it's, it's, it's easy or, or maybe for you personally it's easy, but for me personally it's not. And the fighter is the battles he faces outside of the ring, not inside. And, you know, so I just understand that there are sacrifices I have to make And there are risks I have to make, but this is what makes them happy. Really? My yeah, my achievements. Oh, this is my this makes my mother the happiest person in the world. Oh my god! So when I travel, when I leave, I'm like I'm going now. I'm traveling now to make my mom happy. You know? Isn't that as a child? Are you an only child? 
No, no. You're I, not on tap. Yeah, but is, is, isn't that, as a child, the only thing you want to ask yeah. for is, I want to be seen. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and uh, it's, uh, it's you know, you know, now, you know, the way I think about it now is I want my parents to be seen. Mm. And that's why I do so many of these podcasts, so many of these messages where I say, I'm just relaying messages that they've given to me when I was younger. Because when I'm speaking right now, that's my parents. When I'm achieving something, that's my parents. That's what they've taught me. That's what they've, my mom put me into boxing. So when I become a world champion, who really has become the world champion? My mom has become the world champion. Mm -hmm. And this, mm -hmm. is, this is just what I love about doing what I do. Now, I'm not saying that there is no reasons that I'm doing this for myself. Of course, when, I, when you're addicted to the improvement, you're addicted to improving yourself. You know, at the end of the day, I'm the one that's going to be fighting my opponent in there. It's just me and God, you know. So if I'm going to be the one in there, I'm going to be the one that has to be ready. I'm going to be the one that has to have the skills, the defense, the offense, you know. And it's different for me, though, because I missed out on so many years of experience that fighters have now that are on the same road as I am, same age, same level. We're going up together, but they had so many years. That's why I have much longer camps. Mm. That's why I spend so much more time training and so much more time doing more mental performance or all of that stuff, all those little extra stuff because one day when it's time to fight one of them, and we're fighting for a title or we're fighting for a title eliminator, I'm not asking myself that question of, will I be able to do it? No, I've, I've gained back those years that I've missed by the months that I've done more than you in camp. Mm. I've gained back those years by the amount of other trainings that I've done that you don't, you know? So yeah. that's what I really look at it. And I said that at one of my fights is that the warrior and the coward they both feel the same thing. It's what they do with it that makes them different. And that's why you have to be accepting to feel what sometimes the coward feels. But what you choose to be with it, to do with it, is what makes you the warrior. Mm -hmm. And so just always choose to be the warrior. It's sometimes okay to feel like you're the coward, but make that choice to turn that into being the warrior. Because imagine this, we have so many people and this happens often in the world. We go through many, we all go through, through struggles. We all go through conflicts. Some people go through it worse than others. But now imagine this. Imagine if you change your mentality from you are the one that needs to be rescued to you are the ones that are going to rescue. Mm. You are the one who is going to rescue. Now that you've went through it, or even before you go through it, what's going to get you through it is thinking, I want to get through this so I start rescuing anyone else that is going to go through that. And when I say rescue, it's not necessarily going and actually directly helping someone, but talk about it. Give advice. Mm -hmm. Reach out to people who you think are going through the same thing. Help them out. Rather than after you go through it, you sit there and now you are waiting to be rescued. I need someone to come and rescue me. I need someone to talk to. You yeah, know? it's it's uh, it's a tr it's tough to get out of that victim mentality. Yeah, it is, and expect that it's okay. Yeah. It's tough. That's why not a lot of people do it. But I think the more so why not a lot of people do it because they don't really think about it. Mm. Because 
it's easier to find, it's easier to see what's easy, you know? Yeah. And what's harder, you have to look for. So the victim mentality is easier to find because it comes faster. Mm -hmm. But being the hero, being the one to rescue, you have to go and look for in yourself. You have to go and look for, and it takes more time because you're going to have to help one person, two people, three people. Then you start feeling like I'm starting to rescue. Yeah. So fast forward, you uh, are looking for more resources. How did you end up in L.A.? I, I only knew one thing when I was back in Saudi Arabia and in Egypt. I only knew that uh, I knew who Manny Pacquiao was. Yeah, he was he was like the great then, and I knew who his coach was, and I knew where that gym was, and Freddie, it was in Freddie yeah Roach. Freddie Roach, and I knew that the gym was in L.A. Mm. And so when I was applying for universities back home, I said I'm only applying to L.A. and it's L.A. only. Okay, that's it. And I applied to everything, good, bad, you know, everything, everything. I just wanted to go to L.A. I have, I wanted like a valid reason, so I went to L.A. And I walked into the gym, met Freddie Roach. That was that was that was crazy, you know. I met Freddie Roach when I walked in. The access to a coach like that—that that is, what? What is, no. should it be harder? I don't know. What, no, like, why it, is it, it so easy? You you see, it's it's insanely hard. Oh. It's extremely oh. hard. You know, you could see them around, yeah. but the access to training with one, sure, is very very hard because um, they have to see something in you before they start training you. And, you know, they have to see something in you that's not boxing. That's yeah. not how well you box. they can teach box. Right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. They ha- they ha- they're, they're great for a reason. Because they could teach you to box, but they, you can't teach heart. You can't teach that, you know, uh, that never give up mentality. That you, never, you can't teach that. You can't teach so much stuff in your personality. I guess like fighting for something greater than yourself. Yeah, exactly. Definitely and, helps, And right? that's, yeah, yeah, that's what got me to coach Buddy. And that's what, yeah. that's how a Hall of Famer like Buddy McGirt was able to take someone who didn't have any amateur experience, who I can tell you right now. Because so his previous uh, trainers or fighters were never, am- they were all pros. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, was, I was the only one that trained with Buddy when I was an amateur. Okay. You know, he had pros and he had high, high level pros. Okay. And then there comes me who didn't even have his pro debut. And not only that, didn't have an amateur experience. And not only that, was nowhere near as good as the guys who are pros now. Nowhere you, near you, as good. You're yeah. talking about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could say it now because it's different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he's turned me into something else. But, but then... I was nowhere near as good as the guys in the States. Nowhere yeah. near. You know, not even the high-level amateurs. Did you look forward to that, though? To, to how much you had to gain? Yeah, I loved that. Because I, I, I always loved, you know, the, the improvement. But you see, the mentality was different, though. Because I had to work twice as hard as everyone else yeah. to become as good. Yeah. So how do you convince yourself to keep going when you have to work twice and three times as hard only to be as good with patience Mm -hmm. once you know that eventually working two times as hard and three times as hard is going to get you that habit of working harder you know on just in general eventually when you work three times as hard just to become as good you will become better yeah and they will stay just that good 
but you will become better because you've been working twice and three times as hard for the longest time. But until today, I still have to work three times as hard to be as good. I haven't reached that stage where I can work three times as hard and I'm better. No, they 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 train twice twice a day. I have to train three times a day because just to be as good. Yeah, you know. So it's it's different stuff. They study film for two hours. I have to study for four because I've missed out on so many hours as a kid. So it's all that stuff of having to do. That. I, I like how how it goes back to extreme ownership and you're you're taking responsibility and accountability for everything yeah. for yourself, right? Yeah. But can you speak on what kind of coach uh, Buddy has been? Like, how what are his protocols or or how is he as a person? Is he does he come in waves of like he's like hard on you sometimes and he eases up because there was one clip where he definitely consoled you after a fight but uh how is he on like an everyday basis um uh look coach buddy to me is like a father figure yeah honestly he is he you could think of it like he he adopted me in in the sport of boxing he he's adopted me and now he's raising me and Coach Buddy always says this message where he says being a trainer, being a teacher, or being a coach is like uh, being a father to so many kids. One of them is going to walk in with a bad day or have a bad face on. And one of them is going to walk in with a problem he's going through. And he said that it's his job to know how to get you out of that and how to get you focused again or how to deal with that. He said it's like being a father. And so that's why I travel with Coach Buddy everywhere. Wherever he goes to train anyone, if it's in the UK, if it's in different oh. parts of the States, I go with him. Even if it means spending every single penny I have on apartments, houses, hotels, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm so, you know... Um, You're all in. Yeah, I'm all in. And I trust him so much that I trust he's a huge part of a return on investment you know, in the future and now just spending time around him. And so when you train with someone who's done some everything that you want to do, who's been through everything that you are going to go through, you start being a lot more confident having them around. Mm. So Coach Buddy used to fight at the same exact weight classes I used to fight in. What was it, welter? Or? Yeah, lightweight and welterweight. Okay. And, um, and he won world titles in both. Wow. And uh, he just had a very good jab. And I have a very good jab. So it's all that small stuff where, like, the stars aligned, you know. But going back to how Coach Buddy is, is he is always, like, he's always saying jokes. He's always laughing. He's always doing all this in the training. But when it's time to get real, you're his son. So he doesn't want to see you get hurt. Mm -hmm. And he wants to see you at his best. And so that's how he treats it. When it's time to get hard, he gets hard. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to be tough, he gets tough. And he always says, like, when I'm, when I'm tough on you, it's, it's because I, I know how good you can be. And he always says something that I go back to and I take it with me in life. Coach Buddy never expects me to do something and do it very well. But Coach Buddy expects me to try it. Hmm. If I do it well or I don't do it well, he doesn't care. He just wants to see me try it. And once I get a mental block because I've tried it so many times and I've failed and now I'm worried to try it because the punishment in the sport of boxing to trying something in the ring is a punch. Mm. You know, it's not you don't lose a point, you don't lose a game, 
you get punched when you try something that doesn't work, especially if it's new to you. You have to go through so much mentally because the mistake is held accountable by a punch. So Coach Buddy gave me that thing where he says, why aren't you trying this? Why aren't you trying that? And sometimes he's like yelling at me. I'm like, I am trying. He's like, no, you're not trying. You're not trying. And he keeps saying that. And, and he says, I don't care if you try it and it doesn't work. I don't care if you throw the punch and it doesn't even land. Just throw it. Just try it. Because then the repetition of mm -hmm. doing something right is not what brings the result. The repetition of trying to do something yeah. is what brings the result. Hit or miss, yeah. eventually the more you try it, the more you start to hit, then you, then you miss. Life is a game of iterations. Exactly. And that's what he taught me. He taught me that what matters most is that, is that I'm actually trying to get it right. And, and no matter how bad or difficult it gets, it doesn't stop me from trying. And I have to keep trying it and trying. That's where the saying of trust the process comes in. Trust the process. It's something new. You're learning something new. Try it. Try it. You know, and that's, that's where I take it from him. That's inside the ring. Outside the ring, Coach Buddy is so calm. Mm. And that's why I took so much more from him. He's exactly like my dad. You know, my dad is so calm too in situations no matter how bad they get. And same thing with Coach Buddy. And so, for example... Does that come from being in high-stress situations? Yeah, okay. because of how many situations they've been put through where they had to come out of. You know, my dad has been through so much in life and so much criticism and people that did him dirty and all that. And then Coach Buddy has been through the same out of, outside of boxing. And in boxing, he's been knocked down, had to get up and win the fight, has broken, has dislocated his shoulder, had to win fights using one arm, all that stuff. So what really are we going to go through in life that's going to be worse than that? When you could get punched in the face and you have to remain calm. Where you could dislocate your shoulder in a fight, but you have to remain calm. Where you could get knocked down in a fight and now you have to get back up and win the fight, but you have to remain calm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying this is the first year where I feel so zen because I found myself that when something is about to happen, I don't really worry at all until it actually happens. No matter how many signs are showing me that it might happen, I worry only when it happens. And even when it happens, I don't worry too much because I just trust whatever is going to come out of it, whatever is going to come from it, I will be able to deal with. Maybe not straight away, but eventually. And even if I don't deal with it straight away or eventually, even a longer part of it eventually, I will go through the same thing one day, same situation, same storm, where I will be so good at dealing with that problem. Mm. So that's just how I see it. So Coach Buddy, after the first fight, in the first fight, my first fight, for example, I knocked my opponent down before I knocked him out. I knocked him down and it was the first round. Adrenaline is all high. I'm writing history. First Saudi Arabian boxer, this and that. And I knock him down and I've been visualizing this moment for so long, so long. I'm very big on visualization yeah. and all of that. So I knock him down and I look at Coach Buddy in the corner. <laughs> like this, just like that. And instantly I take from that energy. I instantly I took from that energy. It's not man. done. Yeah. And what that gave me is that it's not done. Yeah. He got back up. So he didn't lose. 
Yeah. Right? And just like in life, you got knocked down, you got back up, it's not done. You didn't lose anything. Yeah. And so even the commentators in the fight spoke about it. They said what's surprising them is even though it's my first fight and it's a new experience, I'm not you going didn't, at him. let it get exactly. to your head. I'm not, right? getting, I'm not going at him recklessly or I'm not throwing every punch I have to knock him out after he got back up. Went back to my normal game plan, mm. to my calmness, mm. my jab. I stuck to it. And that part of it came from the energy that Buddy was giving me. Coach Buddy just gave that energy. He said that he didn't even clap. He didn't clap. You know, and so that's how I just ended up being so calm through the same shots again and knocked him out at the end. But then I was put in that same situation. Mm. Where, were you, were you got knocked down? Yeah, I got knocked down in my second fight. Now, look, to be honest, it was my second fight. Mm. I was practically the co-main event of the fight. So it's only my second fight and yeah. I'm fighting in front of 30,000 people. With like Jake Paul? Yeah, in a full stadium. Yeah. And I'm back home and I'm seeing on TV, some people are walking in like, are you excited for the fight? And they're like, which fight? We're here for Zizo. <laughs> you know, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury are fighting, but they're like, no, what? What? we're here for Zizo. Wow. So I love that though. You know, you know, pressure is a privilege and it just means that some big things are coming at you and you have the privilege of being able to handle that. So, but again, I always said to myself inside the locker room, round one, I'm going to be calm. Because the first fight, round one, I wasn't calm. I almost got taken out there in the first 10 seconds. Mm. Round one, I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to let the crowd get to me. I go out, I find 30,000 people. <laughs> How do you not let it get yeah, to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> screaming my name. Wait, was was that that wasn't, uh, was that the fight where like you came out and you like flipped your yeah, 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 like, exactly. flag like, over your face? <laughs> over I'm like, my no, face, you didn't yeah. need to do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I just go out. People are chanting my name, Sharma. These are the dreams. Yeah, These are the, you're yeah. now living your dreams, you yeah. know. And I made the mistake of not visualizing that fight week. I didn't visualize that, so I didn't know it was new emotions that I'm going through. Yeah. That so then round one kicks off. I want to knock him out. I want to knock him out. I want to get you know the adrenaline is in there. I'm throwing everything I have. I'm not even boxing anymore. I'm fighting <laughs> now. You know, I'm just running after. Him. Boom, boom, boom. He hit, he clips me with a right hand, not even a good right hand. I just ran into it. Boom, he hits me, I drop. To everyone in that stadium, mm. I got up in eight seconds, right? Okay. Yeah, what did it feel like? To me, I got up in eight hours. Wow. I thought about everything. I want to tell you that how I felt during that moment was I was standing. I blinked, I'm on my knees. Sure. That's yeah. how it felt. You know, it, it's called the flash knockdown. Okay. There are two types of knockdowns now. One of them is where your feet goes numb. And the other is where you've just had a flash knockdown. You're a little dizzy in your head. Okay. But when the feet goes numb, it means it was just a punch in the exact right, right place, you know, yeah. on those nerves. And you don't ever know which knockdown it is exactly until after you get up. But here's the thing. I'm going to talk about two very important mental aspects now that I've been taught from my mental performance coach. Mm. The first one is visualization. Now, through fight week and through all of fight camp, through every fight week and every fight camp, I've always visualized everything. I've, I've visualized so much. And sometimes we stay in a room 
we turn off all the all the lights and uh, we play sounds of a full stadium mm. and now close your eyes and visualize you fighting in that stadium visualize you controlling your emotions despite the amount of people there and then on youtube when the sounds come for cheers i'm visualizing that i'm doing something so good mm. when the cheers come for a boo something bad happened you know all of that so it's to stay even keeled through the highs and the lows exactly when you visualize the art of visualization is being in a moment before you are actually put in the moment yeah and so when you are actually put in the moment in real life to everyone else to all the spectators it's the first time but for you it's the millionth time you visualized it in your head and these emotions you felt so many times that when you feel them again you're able to control them it's not the first time you go through it so one of the things we visualized was me knocking my opponent down and when you visualize you have to visualize both scenarios negative and positive so you deal with both of them that's the right way to do it so i visualized me knocking my opponent down him getting back up me remaining calm and still winning the fight and then we also visualized me getting knocked down me getting back up and me sticking to that game plan and still winning the fight and so when i would visualize getting knocked down i would always pick up from the fighters that i used to watch film on and i realized that most of the fighters that won and made it to the end of the round after they got back uh, after they got knocked down took some time on their knees after they got back after they got knocked down and so i always visualized myself when i if i get knocked down when i get knocked down i'm going to stay on my knees just a little bit just to regather yeah. my thoughts and to i'm well educated contrary to yeah. what your ego wants you to exactly, do right? exactly yeah. exactly your ego will want you to get up very quickly because you just got knocked down and stuff but when you visualize these are emotions that you've been knocked down and you've gotten up and you've won the fight so many times that you're just so confident in doing it again yeah so when i got knocked down i took a knee for the 8 seconds i know the rule in boxing is to get up in the 8th second don't get up after you, you know, the ref is going to count you out so i took a knee for 8 seconds i looked up and when i got knocked down the only thing i can hear in the whole stadium was the voices i knew and i could hear them so well like i'm speaking into this mic right now mm. and like i'm whispering to you right now i could hear him that well so i heard my younger sister mm. screaming and she was like because they don't understand boxing sure, right sure and in the in saudi arabia in the arab world most of them don't so when i got knocked down i heard my younger sister she was like what are you doing what are you doing get back up what are you doing get back up and i'm telling you i could hear her so well she was screaming in my ear it was bothering me <laughs> so you could see it on tv where i look up i look at her and i wave and i wave to her like calm down with my gloves you know and and it was just it was that crazy i could hear it in my ears like lower your voice even though it's a full stadium that's wild and i could only hear her i could only hear my parents my family i could only hear them so i waved to her i'm like calm down and i got back up and i realized my feet weren't numb so i was like thank god now i'm just a little dizzy and there are a few seconds left to the round now the other mental aspect that you get taught in mental performance is when you are dealt with a shocking moment 
when you are dealt with shocking emotions, there are three things that you are able to do. One of them is to accept those emotions and to deal with them. Mm-hmm. The other one is to dismiss these emotions. Mm. And the third one is to park these emotions. When you park emotions, it means I will deal with you in the near future, in the very near future. When I say that, I mean one hour, 30 minutes, not days, weeks. Okay. So when you park emotions, it means you just don't have time to do it now, but you're accepting to them being there but you will deal with it in half an hour, an hour. Mm. I had eight seconds to get back up. Mm-hmm. Do you think I had enough time to deal with the embarrassment, fear, mm. worry, doubt that I went through when I went down? The eight hours that I went through yeah. down there, I thought about everything. Losing my career, all the hype that's around my career that now I don't believe is real. Even I don't believe is real. When I was down there, it was like that. Everyone is going to talk about it. The critics are going to go after me. I'm going to lose my career. What am I going to do? I'm going to go back to my desk job. I'm going to have to work. I thought about everything. I'm in Saudi Arabia in front of 30,000 people. My parents are there. Everything I thought about. I even thought about what I'm going to do after. What am I going to say after to the people? What am I going to say in the interview after I've lost? I thought about all of that. All of that as I'm down there. And so I parked the emotions. And I didn't have time to deal with the emotion of fear, embarrassment, doubt, and worry, you know? I visualized me getting back up and winning the fight and sticking to my plan. So now I know what, what to do because I've done it for so long. I've gotten back up, stick to my game plan, go back to being calm, and I'm going to win the fight. The one thing I didn't visualize was what is he going to do after I get back up? And I start worrying a little bit. Hmm. And the ref is like, show me, walk to me. I'm walking to him. He's like, are you ready to fight? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to fight. Box. I start worrying as ever. Hmm. The kid starts rushing me. Then comes Buddy. He's going to rush you. Throw a one-two. I did it like a robot. The kid starts rushing me. I stand my ground. He said, stand your ground, throw one-two. I stand my ground. I throw a one-two. I nail him right to the chin. He gets dizzy. He goes back to the rope. Round ends. Oh, okay. Wow. Because it was, it was 15 seconds to the round. You felt your level of training. I, I felt <laughs> my level of training mentally more than I did physically. Yeah. yeah. Because the visualization, the art of being there before you're actually there, when I was actually there, I've been there. So I was so calm. I went back to my corner. What Buddy did was exactly this. He told me what I was hit with. Because sometimes you don't know. Yeah. He was like, listen, you got clipped with the right hand because your left hand was low. Keep your left hand up. Boom. It's done. It's in the past. It's done now. This is how we're going to win this fight. This is what Coach Buddy does. Whatever is in the past, happened in the past, whatever moment you just went through, you've went through it now. There's no need to be attached to the emotions that you have went through a moment. There's no need to be attached to emotions that you have went through in a moment that's already passed. Mm-hmm. Once the moment passes, it doesn't care if you're going to pass with it or not. So it doesn't care if you are going to let your emotions pass with the moment as it goes. Mm. So time moves not caring if you're going to move with it. Mm. So you have to let go of the emotions of a specific moment after the moment has passed because if you 
are attached to the emotions of a moment that has passed, you have go you are going to find yourself living in the past. Yeah. And when you live in the past, you can never control your present. And when you never control your present, you can never make it to the future. Mm-hmm. So Coach Buddy says, this is, wh- this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to win. Stick to your jab. Do all of this. I stick to my jab. I stick to everything. I win the decision. I win all three rounds after convincingly. And this is very hard in a four-round fight. In a four-round fight, when you get knocked down, you lose two points. So that's why when I win all three rounds, if I just draw one round, I lose the fight. I don't even yeah. draw the fight. Right, if I just right. draw one round, if one of the judges, one, thinks I didn't do enough that round, I draw the fight. Wow. I had to win convincingly for three rounds. And so, thank God I did it and we did it, you know. And in front of my people, the fight ends. My hand is raised, right? Right. As soon as my hand is raised, I scream, three seconds. I'm, the emotions are amazing. These emotions are gone. You know what emotions started to come in? <laughs> what? The emotions that I had parked. Oh, okay. okay. I want to cry right yeah. now. Yeah. I want to cry right now. Wow. I'm so scared right now. I'm so embarrassed right now. Wow. Because these are emotions I had parked that I didn't deal with. I'm still going to deal with them. So as soon as my hand is raised, three seconds of extreme happiness. Now, the feeling of crying is right here. You know that feeling okay. when you feel like... That knot, yeah. Yeah, it's right, right in your oh. throat. I want to cry. Wow. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so scared. I'm so worried. All of it. And so, I do stuff in that stadium just for the sake of doing it. You know, the people are happy. I'm waving my hands up. We did it. And, you know, the post-fight interview is where I said the coward and the warrior feel the same thing. Yeah. It's what they do with it that makes them different. Right. And I felt what both the warrior and the coward feel mm-hmm. when I was brought down. But I had to choose what to do with it. And I chose to get back up. And I had to keep choosing every single minute what to do with it. And I chose to keep going and win that fight. And when I said that, I meant it. I felt every single word I was saying. And so the fight is done. After you're done with the fight, you have to go straight to the medical room. You have to do a medical checkup before any post-fight interviews. The crowd is loving it, all that stuff. That's all great. I want to cry. So I'm walking into the medical room. The doctor opens the door. As I'm walking past him, I tell him, no cameras. Just like this. Say, no cameras. And he stops people at the door. He's like, no cameras. They're like, no, no, no. The Saudi kid. We have to interview the Saudi kid. We have to go in. We have to get it. He closes the door. He closed the door from here. I went through all the emotions from the other side. He closed one door, I opened another door. You know, Mm. started just, I was crying like a five-year-old. And that's okay. And it's okay for me to speak about it now. It's okay for me to to say it now. And because part of, you know, part of controlling your emotions is to let them out. Mm. You know, we are taught so long for so long to control our emotions in times of stress in times of struggle in times of conflict but sometimes we forget that part of controlling our emotions is to sometimes let them out Mm. and because i parked these emotions now they're going out in the doctor's office as he's checking my (laughs) checking my blood pressure checking if i have a concussion all that stuff i'm just tearing up and i'm crying i'm crying i'm crying and why are you crying i well, I'm crying because of the moment I went through in the first round, but you won, I know. Mm, yeah. But I didn't deal with the, the emotions didn't 
have time to get dealt with when I got knocked down because I had eight seconds. It's fight or flight, you know? And I chose to fight. But now the emotions of the flight are kicking in. But what matters is what I did in that present moment. And I got up and I won the fight. That's what matters. So sometimes you're going to have to park your emotions and there's no problem with that. But when you park emotions, just be accepting that something is going to happen with sure. these emotions in the very near future. So uh, as we're approaching time, uh, what can we expect from you for the next, for 2023? When's your next fight? Things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I'm trying to fight in August. I'm supposed okay. to, I'm, I'm supposed to be back in August. Okay. I fight August and then I... F- is it in LA or where is it? Uh, it's going to be not in Saudi Arabia. That's all I know. Oh, it's okay. not, not in Saudi Arabia, either in Europe or in the oh, U.S. Wow. Most probably in the U.S. But um, the date is some, sometime in August. I'm back in camp next week for an 11-week camp. And uh, then I fight two more times during this year. And uh, I can't speak about them just yet because they are pretty big. Sure. But um, I'm very excited for them, you know. And uh, it's just more stuff to do my thing and to send out my message and what you could expect out of me is to just be a symbol of hope yeah, absolutely a symbol of hope not my dream my dream is to not just do it for saudi arabia and the arab world but the whole world maybe people could just pick up if if just one thing from me and how maybe i'm gonna deal with the criticism that i know is gonna come you know, I know the criticism is going to come and don't worry, I'm going to be able to handle it. Maybe at the specific moment I won't be able to, but just always trust in the long term I will be able to handle it. And how I deal with struggles, conflicts, being knocked down, losing, winning. I just want to show people and talk about how I'm going to yeah. go through all these moments. It's so much more than boxing. Exactly. That's it's awesome. life. It's life. Boxing is a small part of a bigger life. <laughs> What an what an honor! It was a it was a huge oh, pleasure talking you. to you. Thank I've, you, thank you so much. I, I I just gotta I gotta prep for another episode. Yeah. I, I could talk to you for another two hours. Yeah, uh, it, I felt that it's too. It's approaching yeah. for two yeah. hours right now. And uh, if you're ever back in Chicago, let me know. Zach, so I, I love Definitely. the hot back on Definitely. and catch up with you then. Um, where can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at the real Zizo. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good luck on everything you're doing. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. You know, this is my dream. The podcasts and doing it in different (laughs) places around the world. This is just you making me live my dream. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. uh, We'll catch you in the next episode.